This is Confessions of a Former Mean Girl with Serena Myers. I'm a master transformation mentor and shadow guide, and I work with heart-centered, high-achieving women who are on the journey to becoming the truest version of themselves, which is only possible by first accepting all that they are. This podcast explores the lessons I've learned from my bad decisions so you can feel better about yours. It's normal to be a messy human, so let's talk about it. Hello, sweet one. Today we are talking all things empaths. I hope you are really excited to dive into this because it's a conversation that has been percolating again around social media. I don't know if just a whole new generation of people are finding out about this term, but there are also some, I don't want to say necessarily misconceptions, I guess like not the most accurate ways of viewing things that's being explored. And I want you as someone who identifies as an empath or a highly sensitive person to feel really empowered by those labels, those identities, rather than feel like it's something that's been forced upon you because it isn't. And it's actually a really fucking beautiful thing. Now, there are some people who come into this world, particularly if there's someone who leans into clairsentient, so psychic feeling, who they were given the gift of empath from moment one. Clairsentience is actually probably one of the more common clairs in the psychic world because it is something that a lot of us can identify with even if we wouldn't recognize it as a psychic gift. For me, as a youth, I always had a really strong gut instinct and I felt everything there, not just bad things, but just things in general. I could always feel it physically in my body. And when I was... I want to say like maybe 12 or 13, my friends, it was kind of like this thing in my friend group. They knew that I had this kind of like spooky side and they, I remember they brought me to this park and when I stepped onto the property, I felt like an instant, like, like a wretch within my stomach. And I was like, oh, I don't feel good. You guys, I think I need to go home. And they started to laugh. And I was like, what's so funny? Like, I don't feel well. Why is that funny? And they said, oh, we were just wondering if you were going to pick up on it. And I said, pick up on what? And they said, oh, someone killed themselves here last night. It was a playground and someone had hung themselves. And it was the kind of thing that just like the trauma in this environment was something that I could pick up on. And I didn't have the language to call this being an empath or a highly sensitive person. I didn't have the language to call it clairsentience. I just knew that it was something that I felt in my body. And I always felt like a bit of a freak for it, to be honest. Because back in the 80s and early 90s, these weren't the conversations that were happening in my friend group, at least. And I went to Catholic school. So this was like basically the devil (laughs) the way that I was being raised at the time. Now, some people, like I said, come into this life and they have this innate gift. And I don't know for sure that I was one of those people, to be honest, even though it happened really young for me. Many of us actually learned this through our trauma. Because when you grow up in a really unstable environment, when things are unsafe or scary, we have to have this heightened sense of awareness of perception of the events that are happening around us where we can have like an instant vibe check when we step into a room to know, is it safe for me to be here? Is it safe for me to let my guard down? Now, this is no less empathic than the people who were given it as the thing that they woke up with and instantly knew and identified in their youth. These are still the same gift. They just have a slightly different origin story. And while this birth of empathy through trauma doesn't have the happiest beginning. It is also not something that you have to feel victimized by going forward. 
No matter how you've come across this gift, here's the thing. When you are an empath, especially if this is something that's new to you, you might not identify as an empath, but this might actually resonate for you still. You have the ability to pick up on vibes, period. So as human beings, we are sending and receiving energy all the time, usually unconsciously, sometimes consciously, but usually we are just giving and receiving information. And I feel like those of us who identify as empaths, we just have our receiving knob turned up a little bit high. So we have a higher capacity for being able to receive unspoken information. We will definitely get it with other people who are not consciously transmitting their emotions, their energy. And we'll also even get it from environments or sometimes it's even the weather, honestly. Like, you know, when you can just like have that feeling in your body where you're like, yep, storm is coming. When you step into a room and the air is kind of tense and you're like, what's going on here? And you find out that someone had just broken up in there or someone had just been fired in that office or whatever it is. There's like a tension in the air. Well, people who are empaths or highly sensitive can feel that. Now, where this idea of victimization comes from is that when we haven't been taught First of all, that this is a thing, and I certainly wasn't. We also haven't been taught what we can do to use that to our advantage and how we can protect ourselves so that we are not constantly being bummed out and burned out by shit that isn't ours. So the first step is identifying, is this mine? And that is going to be really hard to do if you're trying to do it as an intellectual process. What you really want to do is start to build up this relationship with your body where you know what your energy is like at its kind of balance, at equilibrium. Just like, not good, not bad, just in the middle, what feels like me. And so whenever you have that idea, that sensation of what that feels like for you, you can then start to kind of peel that apart. So when things go off, when you start to feel funky or slow or down, the first thing is identifying, is there anything going on for me right now that would cause this feeling? Now, sometimes there isn't, right? Like sometimes... Life is hard. Sometimes even when you're having a good day, there's still like ambient things that had been happening that are going to make you feel really low. Like right now, I am having an otherwise good day, but ambiently, I have fear for a friend's health. I have the grief from my cousin's passing. And so I'm not at my 100%, even though I'm having a perfectly good day. But I can understand what the contributors are to that. So I say, yeah, the lowness that I'm feeling that I'm holding on to in my heart, that's mine. And that's okay. I don't need to change it. I just want to have that awareness. There will be times, however, that you're going to tune into that and you're going to be like, I don't have anything ambient going on and I still feel kind of shitty what's going on. And you're going to look at your spouse and your spouse got cut off in traffic on their way home after having a really shit day. And they're sort of like sitting there stewing and you're like, oh, hold on a minute, this might not be mine. And if you have really tight relationships, whether it's a sibling or a romantic partner or even a parent, those energetic ties sometimes are a little bit almost codependent. And we do tend to pick up on those people's energy more than others. And there isn't anything wrong with that because it's really, it's love and closeness and frankly, soul contracts that brought those two kind of energetic cords to be really intertwined. But what we want to do ultimately is be energetically sovereign so that we are only carrying the responsibility of what is ours, because that is our lesson, right? We came into this life to learn and grow and expand and experience, and they came to do the exact same thing. And so if we are carrying their load, we're actually not doing them any favors. We are denying them the very lesson that their soul came in to have in this lifetime. So 
Let's talk about energetic hygiene, because for me, this is probably the number one most important thing that we can do for ourselves, particularly as sensitive folks, which will then help us to have better relationships. So I've created this guide that goes through different practices that we can be doing every day. In my ideal situation, I would recommend that you do it at the beginning of each day and again before bed. And it could be two different practices that you do. If you're somebody who works in a helping or healing field, this is going to be multiplied by a bajillion because you are coming into contact with a lot of different people who are going to be in different states of pain or crisis or need to release. And the last thing you want to be doing is, first of all, taking their stuff in, and second of all, almost like cross-contaminating between clients. So you want to be doing these kind of some kind of a clearing in between each session so that you are maintaining just like the sanctity of the space that you're working in and of your own self as the space holder for doing this work. But if you're just like the everyday average person who isn't dealing with um, with people in that kind of capacity, doing it in the morning and doing it at the end of the day will really help. There are going to be practices that are going to be really important that are all about the clearing. So this is when you have taken on other people's stuff and it needs a little rinse <laughs> where you can not only release yourself of those energies, but that you can actually send them back with love. We don't need malice here. We can send them back to the people who gave them to us because they need that energy for their lessons and for their integration, and we don't. And in fact, the work that we do with claiming that for ourselves, with making that clearing and saying, this actually wasn't mine to carry, that is some of the work that we came here to learn and do and embody in this lifetime as well. There's also going to be protective practices that you can do. So as a couple of examples of clearing practices, you might want to look at something like burning sage or Palo Santo. You can look at taking salt baths, especially if you're working on healing people. Salt baths with a high quality lavender mixed in can be a really potent clearer of your energetic field. And you'll want to make sure you also get your head in the water and you're clearing your crown chakra. That'll be really important too. Something else that can be really helpful, and I do this personally with visualization and working with Archangel Michael, is cutting the energetic cords between you and the people that you are bound to. This is also a really big thing if you have any kind of a social media following, because the more public you are, the more projection you receive from the outside. And so you won't even necessarily know who these cords belong to or where they even came from, but you can still cut them and lovingly send them back. Now, the flip side, other than this clearing part, is the actual protecting of yourself in the process. As an example, and this is probably the simplest one you can do, every time I have to have an interaction with my mom, and I know that it's not going to go well because we don't have the best relationship, my mantra is, I am Teflon. And I literally envision myself in like coded in the nonstick surface so that anything that is projected onto me just goes and slides right back off because I don't need to own that. I would still do like a clearing at the end of that, particularly if it's something that I'm doing at the end of the day anyway. But having that initial like, I'm not taking this on in the first place really minimizes how much work we have to do on the clearing side anyway. A lot of people will also talk about doing the work of bubbling up. So I always heard about it as casting this white or golden bubble around ourselves, that we can project that bubble as big or as small as we need it to so that we can feel safe. And that's really beautiful, and it's a very powerful thing to do. However, one of the things that I really recommend that you do is doing the cutting and the clearing first, because the last thing you want to do is kind of sealing yourself in with that energy that you had picked up in the first place. 
I particularly really love the bubbling up at bedtime because when we are asleep, that is when we are our most openly vulnerable because we have no conscious attachment to what is taking place in terms of the transmission. So particularly when I'm having really hard times and I know that I am, let's say, lower vibe than I would be in my most ideal state, I like to do the work of cutting and clearing and then bubbling up. And I don't just bubble up myself. I bubble up my entire bedroom or I will sometimes go all the way out even into the street where I imagine this beautiful, like iridescent kind of golden bubble that keeps me feeling really safe and really held so that I know that I am energetically sovereign when I am asleep. When we are sleeping, we are doing so much processing of the day, of the energies, of everything that we've experienced consciously and unconsciously. So whatever I can do, particularly when I'm having a harder time, to be able to make that feel safer, that's what I'm going to do. There are so many things that you can do on a daily basis and some things that can be bigger, more ritualistic that maybe you're going to do on the full moon or on the new moon or with the changing of the seasons. What you really want to do, though, is find practices that make sense for you, whether they're things that you're doing on your own or whether you're using external tools, whether they are something that takes, you know, one to two to five minutes or something that's going to take like an hour. You want to find the things that make sense for you, that resonate for you, and that you feel supported by. Because if I'm telling you these are the absolute best things to do and you're like, eh, tried it, didn't do anything for me, don't keep doing it, then that's just not the practice for you. But keep looking because there is something that is going to resonate for you. The long and the short of it is this. We are responsible for our own energy. And even if we have been given, however we've been given it, the ability to pick up on a whole lot more than just our own stuff, we are still responsible for everything that we are taking on. We don't need to make it mean anything about the people that we're around or even about ourselves. This isn't a better or worse scenario. Energy itself isn't even good or bad. We've made it into something by labeling it. But what we are talking about is energetic sovereignty, about only carrying and integrating and embodying and learning from the energies that's ours in the first place. And so I don't want you to feel victimized by having this gift of sensitivity. It's a really beautiful thing. And it does keep you safe. And it does help you know with the relationships that you're having, if like these are good people and these are people that you want to be around or people that you can trust. Like this is a superpower in a lot of ways. But what we do have to do is have some agency and take some responsibility for what we are experiencing. And so that we are caring for ourselves in ways that we are not taking on more than is ours in the first place. So I'll make sure that there is a link to that guide in the show notes. So that'll give you some things to experiment with, things to practice and see what resonates for you. I'll also make sure that I include some of my favorite tools in the show notes too, because I work with a lot of different practices. And the thing for me is that I notice something is going to work for a really long time and then it's not going to work anymore. So I like to have a really big library for myself of tools, external and internal and practices that I can do so that if something stops working, that I can shift to something else and then ride that out until it stops working and then change back again. So it really is about an experimentation, and so much of it is just taking the time every day to know yourself, to know what your general vibe is, so that if that's off, you know that there's something that needs to be done. And I think that's all I have to say about that for today. So being an empath and being highly sensitive, this is a really big topic, and there are a lot of facets to it. So I'm going to make sure that I come back to different areas of this as I feel called on the show, because I think it's really important that we really recognize the power of this gift 
and that we aren't feeling like it's something that has been done to us or that it's some sort of, I don't know, this boating burden. It's not. It's actually really beautiful. And I can't wait to see how it enriches your life once you learn how to work with it. That's it for this episode. Thanks for spending this time with me. Make sure to stay in touch between episodes by following me on Instagram. I'm at Serena Myers. If this episode inspired you or you want to support the show, please give it a share to your favorite peeps and leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. I'll see you next time.